0: Welcome to the Real Uniting Church podcast with Scott and Marty.
1: In this series, we go in search of the core identity of the Uniting Church in this its 40th year and where we might go in the years to come. Join us. So welcome to this episode of the Real Uniting Church podcast. As it happens, this is the final episode in the series. Uh, When we began asking about the Real Uniting Church back in January this year, We asked the question, what if the Uniting Church had a midlife crisis? And we had a group conversation with a bunch of people who'd in some way experienced that in their own life. To wrap the series today, we're hosting another group conversation, this time with three sharp young adults. You guys are sharp young adults, right? That's right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Let's see Uh, by the end of the podcast. (laughs) And and these guys will hopefully be around for the next 40 years of the Uniting Church's story. So today we're going to ask them a little bit about what they make of the real Uniting Church now and something about what they think it might be in the years to come. Uh, So, Julia Munkus from Logan Multicultural Uniting Church, welcome to you.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Uh, Joe Scarlett, Oxley Uniting Church, great to have you here.
3: Great to be here.
1: And Josh Harbord, our rural country representative from (laughs) Ruralish, Rosewood Uniting Church. Great to have you with us, Josh. Thank you. Let me start with a recent experience that the three of you have shared with 397 of your closest friends, uh, that being the 33rd meeting of the Queensland Synod. That's a very formal kind of way of introducing it, isn't it? Uh, So maybe for our listeners who might not have been to a Synod meeting, um, a five-day committee meeting involving 400 people. Does that sound about right? That's kind of what it's like. With A few extra things, a bit of worship, a bit of community building, a little bit of fun, some food along the way. Lots of Um, food.
4: Lots of food. So
1: what did you make of it? What did you make of being at at that Synod meeting?
4: I guess uh, I'll start. Yeah. So this is my second Synod that I've been to, so at least I'm a bit of a veteran now. And uh, it is it is an interesting thing. It's a strange mix of stuff. It's like a conference at the same time as an organisational meeting as well as there's church all the time. But I think what I really enjoy about it is that you get to be around other Christians who really care about stuff and love God as well. Yeah. And especially for me, I don't really have that so much in my day-to-day life as often as I might like. So okay. I particularly like that fellowship with other people.
1: Yeah. There is a fair bit of that too, isn't there, with, you know, like 400?
4: Hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, well, even as someone as young as me, it's good to catch up with <laughs> people from all around the state who have been around for a while that you don't see very often. And I think especially for some of the older members of Synod, they like to keep coming because they get to see everyone and have so much fun. Yeah, so yeah. I can definitely see why they like spending time with each other like that.
1: Hey, was that your first Synod, Josh? You'd, you'd been around once before? Or? Once before, okay. yeah. Yeah, cool. How about for you, Joe? What did you make of it all?
3: Um, I love synod. Um, it was my second as well. Um, okay. and I was glad to go back. I find it um very fascinating just to see all that our church is involved in because I think sometimes when you're just involved in your congregation, you forget that we're part of something much larger. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I love to just come and hear the reports of what they're up to. And Sorry, hear...
1: you love to come and hear the reports?
3: Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, mostly. Oh. <laughs> but it's, yeah, just good to see what everyone's up to and even the other presbyteries. And, yeah, also just get to chat to people and meet new people from all over our state.
1: What do you think, Julia? What did you make of it all?
3: I actually loved
2: it. Um, it's <sighs> the first time for me.
1: Three, I know. three
2: in a row. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did, and I think I. Every other person that I had spoken to that had been there before was like, "Oh, you know, it's really laborious and it's boring." I'm just like, I've been loving it. It's been awesome. The worship was great. Um, yeah. I enjoyed meeting um, new people and just seeing the extent of the Uniting Church. Yeah. Actually, being able to to see, um, like Joe said, um, what everybody's up to. I, yeah. That was in itself kind of encouraging to know that you weren't alone within the Uniting Church. I think if anything... Um, I enjoyed um, all of the sessions that we had, and I did enjoy the listening to the reports as well because it was interesting. Um, everybody had their own take um, on how they wanted to, to present their their uh, report, and um, y- it was a bit of fun. I enjoyed yeah. a couple of videos as well. I mean,
1: um, North Queensland, yes, it <laughs> was pretty good fun. <laughs> it yeah. was
2: definitely it was awesome. so Worth uh,
1: hunting down on YouTube. Definitely,
2: I mean, yeah. definitely. And I think it's um, almost like you have to go. Oh, you know, not as good as the thirty third, you know, synod. So <laughs> No, <laughs> but, yeah, and, and so I think for me, like, it was... Um, I can't um, judge it on anything else other than the one that I've been to, and mm. I, I can't fault it. Mm. It, was, it was a really good experience.
1: What, what for you guys, would be the takeaway? So, you know, if, mm. if you think, you know, in a year's time, you're thinking back to the 33rd Synod, what's the thing that'll stick with you that you take away from all the things that
4: went on there? I guess that is a bit of a hard thing in some ways just because there's so much there. There are so many people doing so many things. I think uh, maybe I have a couple things. One is that getting connected, especially with other young people around yeah. the place, but with people around, it's always good to make those connections and then hopefully things will come of them as we keep going. And already we've got some of us here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also two of the... Um, think they were called issues sessions this year were they the synod inspired synod inspired that's the one New began with i yes so uh i went to one about connecting with your indigenous community as well as one about discipleship and those are two things that i've kind of thought we need to work more on yeah and so for me that was pretty exciting to see other people really interested in it and seeing that there's actually a way forwards it's not just a pipe dream it might actually be something real
1: yeah yeah um picking up on the first thing you mentioned that
4: there seems to me
1: to be um, maybe a a few more younger people than maybe we might have seen in the year or two before. Was it was there a kind of a good community of among I, I the young people? I think there
3: was quite a few more this time compared to last time. Yeah,
4: I think uh, we were 10% ten, people ten percent people okay. under forty. the under So so, so we included a, a few number, of the slightly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> older. But yeah, I think Joe's right that there were definitely a few more of us around.
0: Yes.
2: Yeah. Although yeah, ten percent of yeah it would have been about forty of us. So it was, it was great. I think, if anything, um, in between the sessions, we all almost gravitated to one another as well. And um, it was interesting to just to hear um, a lot more people with, with a lot of experience share what they're doing and, and what's been working for them and um, the struggles that they're facing. And to kind of know that, hey, you know, we're all kind of going through the same thing and able to help one another in that space um and so i think if anything like i the thing that blew my mind was um the the connections that you're able to make like when are you able to say hey i've met Mm -hmm. like so many you know 400 people all around queensland in a five-day session Mm -hmm. and and just the wisdom that people
0: have imparted is just amazing so yeah Mm. what do you think needs to change about the synod meeting if we want more younger people to be there
3: I think it's difficult for people that are still working to, like, take that time off work, like, especially if they're from other presbyteries, like um, North Queensland, because mm-hmm. it means they have to take time off work, and often it'll be without pay, because, um, yeah, that's just what will happen. So, I don't know if they're able to make it shorter, just so we don't have to take as much time off work, but that's a suggestion. yeah.
4: yeah. Which, uh, yeah, I was kind of trying to think of some solutions to that too because there are a few different things you could do, maybe have it at a different time of year or something like that. And I think it seems, from what I've heard, it's kind of in a sweet spot at the moment where it works reasonably well for lots of different people. But I think maybe looking back at why I came to Synod, I came to Synod because people in my congregation and my presbytery said, hey, you should go to Synod, we yeah, think okay. it'd be good. Yeah. So perhaps the answer is not so much trying to make it easier because we know it's always going to be hard for someone but maybe just trying to encourage people more to go in the first place and say, you can go make a contribution, you could do something really good there. Yeah, so, so, I mean,
1: we've talked a little bit, you've talked a little bit there about the push factors, about someone who's encouraging young people to go. We've talked about, you know, what are the obstacles in terms of the length or the timing. Or, and then I guess, you know, we, we could talk a little bit about the pull factors, about what is it that makes it a great event that kind of makes people want to go and be a part of it would be the other way to explore
2: that question. Um, I think as well, um, just taking the time to maybe um, send out more information about Synod. Um, not so much just to the members who will be attending, but you know, before I actually came to Synod, I didn't really know much about it, and to be perfectly honest, the whole experience kind of terrified me. Um, (laughs) And, yeah, and I think if anything, if it was a little bit more uh, reader-friendly, if you will, um, but at the same time, like, I'm not sure um, how much representation is kind of um, left uh, per congregation. I had um, become aware uh, that it's um, up to our respective presbyteries um, um, for the number of people who are going, but I think if there was... Um, initiative there to, to maybe um, preserve a certain amount of numbers for younger people to go yeah. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: that might be more of, of an incentive to kind of go as well because yeah. um, I think we're, we're kind of um, under the assumption that it's kind of for just older people when it's not really kind of yeah. um, focused at our, um, the younger age group um so I think if if something was kind of done in that space, um we might be able to to kind of see more of a um, younger crowd coming as well
1: um Joe, what's the takeaways for you? We, we sort of skipped over you there, but, but I'm curious to you <laughs> know what's good. what's the things that stick with you as you as you come away from? Um,
3: I think just the hope that there is a future like um one of the Synod Inspire sessions that I went to was about leadership in an unknown future because the truth is 40 years ago we wouldn't have known what the world would be like today and so I think it just encouraged me to encourage other people to um, mentor young people in their church because they're not just the future of the church they are the present as well. So I think I'm just gonna go and see if I can also encourage young people to be brave and You know, ask if they can do stuff in their church and step up. So
0: the theme of the 33rd Synod, and coincidentally or not, uh, this podcast is the Real Uniting Church. So we are curious, uh, what does that look like in in your worlds?
4: I guess uh, at least we've had a bit of thinking about this as also writing our little piece for the journey. But uh, I guess we were all at the uh, Renovators' dinner last weekend, which, uh, for those people who don't know about it, is for young adult leaders in Morton Rivers and Bremer, Brisbane and South Morton. I think a few people came as well. Hashtag you should come. Yes, <laughs> it was very exciting. So uh, we, we had uh, Michael Hands, who comes from the New Life Uniting Church, and he came and gave us a talk about what they've been doing to try and get well, basically their young people thing going. And uh, I think all of us were kind of struck. We kind of had a chat beforehand about this podcast and what we were going to be talking about And uh, we all were really struck by how they've turned, I guess, maybe the Jesus principle of discipleship into something that works in modern churches. Mm. And I think um, perhaps we kind of have a funny idea about how it should work that we ordain ministers and send them to congregations and it's like they look after this organization and keep a business running in a way. But... Perhaps maybe it should be more like we have mentors that we send to a group of people who need a disciple or a mentor to show them things, someone to imitate. And then when those mentees are ready to move on to the next stage, then they come and learn more things so they can go back and be mentors themselves. So instead of trying to send out ministers, maybe it's more growing ministers in each place and then equipping them once they're already there.
1: So, I mean, you, that's really a kind of a discipleship Exploration that, that you're pointing to there, and is so. So, is it reasonable then to say that for you, that real uniting church is actually about how we encourage that journey of discipleship, how we nurture and mentor disciples, and um, and in turn, are nurtured and mentored ourselves? Or,
4: I think, yeah, that's it's a pretty basic part of not just church yeah. life, all life yeah, as yeah. well. So, I think when when you look at all the things that church does if you have this mentorship program going well, then all those other things are much easier to happen, yeah. like traditions or social justice things. Yeah, okay. What
1: are, what are some other thoughts around this notion of real uniting church?
3: Um, to me, the real uniting church is just connecting with everyone in God's planet because um, I believe like the uniting church does it well in that we're not just a church. Like we, our aim is to love people like God, love them, and so, yeah, to me, Real Uniting Church is getting out there and, you know, being servants for God and spreading his love.
2: I'd have to agree with Joe as well, um, as well as uh, Josh. I think, if anything, um, you know, the, the Real Uniting Church, to me, is, you know, being able to to be a disciple and to help our community and to, to live out what we're called to, to be in Christ, really. Um, I think, if anything... Um, the Royal Uniting Church looks more accepting um, than other denominations that, that I have kind of come across. But I think, if anything, it's coming to that understanding, coming to that place where you're wanting to know what your brother's going through, what your sister's going through, different nationalities, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, upbringings, all of that, um, you know, and loving it anyway. So I think, if anything, uh, yeah, the Real Uniting Church, to me, is an accepting one.
1: Yeah. Do, do you see the signs of that already, it sounds like, in, um, in what you're saying, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think, if anything, in um, my church at the moment we've got, um, we're quite cultured, we've got, um, I'm... Patonghen, we've got Samoans, um, Papua New Guineans. Uh, our new minister is Argentinian. We've got a, a, a yeah. bit of a fruit salad going out yeah, at yeah. Logan Central, yeah. multicultural. Um, but in a sense, I think uh, we've been able to kind of find um, a sense of unity in our, in our cultures and wanting to know that bit more about other cultures. And in doing so, we're able to kind of even embrace more of ourselves than than we would have before in in just coming to to that um, mindset Um, but you know it it all starts with wanting to listen and and wanting to to look after others so yeah Uh,
1: are there some aspirational things are there some things that you think about that it, it would be fantastic if we could describe ourselves in this way or if we could move toward something that's a little bit more or a little bit different than, than who we are or who you see that we are now. What's the real Uniting Church look like? You're kind of down the track a little bit if we're at our best.
4: So I guess uh, I'm starting again. <laughs> 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 so I think in a lot of ways, the Uniting Church, and this is one reason why I like being part of it so much, but I think we already do a lot of things quite well. I think we already have that real hunger to know more truth and really understand our faith which perhaps other denominations don't focus on so much. And I think it's, it's kind of obvious that we really care about other people and try and make the social situations better. So perhaps in some of those ways it's just keeping up the good fight and looking after our Indigenous brothers and sisters because we've just heard about the Uluru Statement being rejected recently. Yeah. And of course there's the big issue of same-sex marriage, so I, there are complicated issues behind that. But I think that the Uniting Church is kind of at the forefront now and engaging with those issues and being relevant to the community around us because church is not just about going to church every day. Church is about understanding God's love and sharing with others. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So same, same, but, but push a little bit harder. Press, <laughs> press on a little deeper. Well, at least until something else happens, I guess. <laughs> you never know. Jesus might come. Well, that is possible. Indeed. That is possible. Uh, Joe or Julia, what
1: do, you, what, what, what do you think the future holds? What would you like to see us get to?
3: Um, I agree. Like much the same. Just I think we're doing a great job, but I think if we could disciple more and just yeah acknowledge that we're in a different time now and that you know we need to keep up with it. So keep our strong foundations of the Uniting Church, but also. Um, be willing to be moulded to um, the digital age we're in and I think we're off to a great start with that. Um, And I think that if we just keep loving and being focused on Jesus that people will see the difference and, you know, we just need to be united and that will make people want to come to God. Yeah, I think if anything, we're almost
2: all in agreement, really. <laughs> um, oh, come on. can't we have like an know, argument or something? I know. <laughs> uh, I <Cut> think <laughs> I am honestly. I I am really excited to see what um, the initiatives that are that are that have been put in place now, what they are going to become in the future. Because I think if anything, there there is so much potential. There's so much passion, and I think that uh, I can't. I don't quite remember who mentioned it at Synod, but, you know, it, it's all about embracing the wisdom of the, the old with mm. the, the passion of the young mm. and, and wanting to go forward with that. So I'm really excited to kind of see um, the, the fruits of, of the labour for, for those who are kind of forging the way at the moment. Um, but I think, if anything, we can't really afford to just, OK, yeah, we're doing something, we're doing something. We just we can't be satisfied with what we're doing now we just have to keep on keeping on Mm. and and wanting to kind of um, be more bold be more out there find um, new ways to to create um, spaces where where people can be expressive of their love of God and of of Mm. their love for each other so I'll be really excited to see that
1: do, do you, Julia, do you, in your own kind of participation in your own part of the Uniting Church, do you feel like you're able to kind of press into that sort of future? Are there, I, are there challenges for young adults in our midst, I guess, is the question I'm yeah, asking. Yeah, I,
2: I think we, in our in our church, we, we are fortunate um, to, to have people who are willing to, to lend their support. But um, at the same time, it's, it's almost like it's a, a cautionary. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, we'll, we'll support you, but... Yeah. And so it's kind of um, we're restricted in a way, and I know it's out of love, and I know it's out of um, you know fear of, of uh, disappointment or or just not getting the result that we want. But we're not going to know unless we try, and um, we're pushing towards you know having more um, of a freedom to do so. And I think we are at that stage where um, we can be comfortable with saying. I don't really want to do that. Can we try this? And if we're being knocked back, just getting back up and trying again.
1: You're listening to the Real United Church Podcast with Scott and Marty. Today we're chatting with Joe, Julia and Josh. We're about to ask them the blank sheet of paper question. Stay tuned later too as Marty and I reflect on this series of the Real United Church Podcast what we've learned along the way.
0: I'm curious as to where do you see the people who make up the Uniting Church in the future in terms of how we relate to an increasingly secularised society?
1: That was a hard question with with no notice, Marty.
0: (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You know, I was just hearing some of the things you were talking about um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in what you think.
4: So I guess uh, maybe out of these guys I'm kind of in a unique position because in my PhD work as a science student I'm in a, an environment that's not very Christian. There are a few Christians around and some Muslims around but uh, probably about half the people in our centre are atheists from Europe or at least agnostic. So it's kind of interesting being in the middle between church and, and people on the mm. other side. And I think um, one thing that people who aren't in church really respect is when church kind of knows its own boundaries about what we're doing so sometimes we have this feeling that maybe we should make a law because we know that for christians that sort of thing is appropriate but for other people it's we we want them to act like christians instead of giving them the freedom to choose themselves obviously murdering people is one thing that's useful for everyone (laughs) Yeah. yeah so there are it has to be treated sensitively but i think Giving other people that space to say, well, church says some things, but if you want to do things another way and it doesn't harm other people directly, then why not? You're free to do that. And then maybe if you see the way we live, you'll decide that our way is better for some reason.
1: So you're saying that we can't legislate people into being Christian?
4: Which I guess I I do have friends who would like things to be that way, but personally, I feel, I'm perhaps very liberal, but I I feel that. We should let people decide for themselves because I think that's really what Jesus was saying is that you have a choice in front of you. Which side do you want to choose? Do you want to take a small windy road, a wide flat road? Do you want to look after the poor people or do you want to use your own power for your own means? Which I guess I might also add too that I think maybe we have some difficulty kind of getting our work and church to be friends with each other in a way. So I guess I look at other people, even the people here who get to do lots of things with youth groups and their church groups. And for me, that's not really the case, just from the way things are at my church and the way things have gone in my life. So for me, it's still a bit of a challenge trying to find a way to make science, which I'm very passionate about, Mm. work more with how we do things at church. Mm. And so maybe in the future, that might be Well, when you're a scientist, it doesn't mean that you are a scientist and you go home and do church things. Maybe you can do church things where you do your science stuff. Maybe you can have a Bible study there or maybe you can have disciples in your your scholarship journey being your actual disciples in your church journey as well, which I think used to happen more often in the past but not so much in the modern age.
1: All right, time for the big blank sheet of paper question. (laughs) Another one. Another one. No, this is the blank sheet of paper, money, no object, kind of no limits. You know, if we could, if, if you could see any one thing happen, any project, any idea, any initiative, any thing that we could get into as a church that would, would help us to foster, you know, fantastic, vibrant communities of faith, what, what's, your, what's your blank sheet of paper kind of um, the thing that we're not doing at the moment that you'd love to see us kind of have a crack at as a church?
4: Anybody You're up, I just want to go first. I think I've been chosen. <laughs> so I think I mentioned it a bit earlier, and of course I wrote it down in the journey for those watching at home. But I think this idea of doing discipleship well is really important for doing those sorts of things. Like I said before, lots of other things we already are pretty vibrant and contemporary about. But I think from my own personal experience, the mentors have been few and far between sometimes, which does make things hard. So I think... The Perhaps the trick is that we encourage mentors to have a really close personal relationship with their mentees, so to speak. So it's kind of like Jesus didn't go and spend half an hour with each of the 5,000 odd people he fed yeah, yeah. at one spot. He took 12 people or he took 72 people, depending on which bit of the gospel you look at. But he took a small group of people and he really invested in them and then those people each took other small people invested in them and that's really why we exist today because somebody told someone else and then they told someone else again so i think in a way that really personal close relationship is really important because then it gives the mentee that the strength and ability to go and do other things as well and then all those other stuff like having infrastructure so we can have safe churches and safe places or so we can run around throwing water bombs at each other and youth group things. As you do. All all that other fun and interesting organisational stuff can happen once we have people there who can do things because we have lots of really talented people around, like the people sitting around here. So I think if we can really get those people to have a sense of belonging and a sense of being where they're supposed to be, that's the key, I think. Yeah, cool.
3: Yeah, I totally agree with Josh, and I know this personally because I wouldn't be in the position in the church I am now if it wasn't for people seeing potential in me and pushing me even though I was like, oh, I can't do it. But um, not just pushing me and saying good luck, but also (laughs) like kind of walking beside me and helping me along the way. And um, I think that is important. Like if every church just picked out a few young people that they think they could mentor up, and that's the word mentor, we'll walk with them, mm. then I think that, you know, our church does have a great future. And I look at things like Next Gen rise and Renovators, and we have so many, like, keen young people in our churches that we just need to, um, like, mentor and build a sense of community and know that it's not all these congregations in it alone, but we're all part of something great. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think, if anything... Um both Josh and, and Joe have. Um,
2: I echo their sentiments, um, but in a sense, um, I also feel like it it needs um, there needs to be a little bit more clarity in uh, translation um, translating to our cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that a lot of stuff kind of gets lost in translation, um, and a lot of um, issues arise out of that. Just from mere you know, miscommunication or, or a misunderstanding. And I think, if anything, um, there needs to be an intentional space where you do genuinely feel like you're being met halfway. You're more likely to want to wanna go the other, you know, fifty percent if somebody meets you halfway, kind of thing. So I think if anything, it needs there needs to be um, more time invested and um, like a space um, dedicated to to wanting to um, translate things. And and I think if anything, it will it will help things to be more transparent. And um, and a lot of people will be hurting for no reason just for for a just a mistranslated word or um just a a, an offense that wasn't meant to 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 be an offense but you know not understanding the cultures not being a cultural culturally aware of it we we get ourselves into all sorts of trouble um and this extends especially to to our indigenous um communities so i think if anything um devoting more time and space to that and um I I love like the initiatives that are happening at the moment with Next Gen Arise and with the renovators um dinners because you're given the opportunity to see something from from another person another culture's point of view and able to ask those questions and able to to know that you won't offend in that space because it's a space of learning and it's a space of, of wanting to um, foster hope and foster
0: uh, a, a loving community.
1: What do you think, Marty?
0: I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up.
1: I think it is. Thank you guys so much, Joe and Julia and Josh. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we look forward to having another chat with you in 40 years' time. Uh,
0: about where we get to between now and then. It may uh, not be you and
4: I. Well, no, it probably won't be you and I. I guess Marty. We'll just think about it. <laughs> she has a pretty good chance. Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, no, sorry no, no, no. no. <laughs> so thanks heaps uh, for Thank
1: joining you. us. Uh, it's been great to have a chat.
0: the end of the podcast series for this year. Um, Thanks for being part of it with me.
1: It's been a pleasure.
0: We've explored a pretty wide range of topics as we've wondered about the Real Uniting Church. We've talked about midlife crisis, uh, what does it mean to be real, what does multiculturalism look like in the church, the rural church, church planting, Indigenous Australia, young people and the future of the church, prayerfulness and spirituality and then there's today's conversation. Does any any one of these stand out particularly for you?
1: Uh, I, mean, I mean, I would say not one particular conversation, but for me, just this sense that we have the opportunity as a church to be um, what I would describe as uniquely Australian, that is, you know, grappling with the particular issues that relate to contemporary Australia. And that, I, don't, I don't say that that's an easy task, but so I think the future for us lies in having the courage to have a whole range of conversations with our society. And that's what this series has reminded me. You know, the value for us in having conversations about sexuality, about economics, about cross-cultural and interfaith relationships, justice, environment, politics, leadership, all these kinds of things. You know, for us to genuinely engage with our wider community around these kinds of issues, um, you know, and if we can ground those kinds of conversations um, in our own faith experiences... to me uh, you know the wondering and you know the sense of the real uniting church um, you know is that we might just get into relationships where then people invite us into their life um, where we in a sense become guests um, you know in a relationship with other people and and our faith is a part of that story Uh, but for the for me the real uniting church the essence of that is around this notion of you know getting into these really meaty conversations in our world Um, and I think over this year you know we've kind of tapped into a few of those along the way. Um, so that's, I guess, what I uh, think about as we come to the end of the series. How about you? Anything that stands out?
0: Uh, I, I agree. I think similar things in terms of uh, that the... There's, there seems to be a sense of energy around asking tough questions and mm-hmm. grappling with answers. Mm-hmm. And this year, for some unknown reason... There seems to be more more of a sense of optimism mm. about the future of the church, even though you know we've talked about the numbers and mm. on paper it doesn't look good. but yeah. when you talk to people, when you go to Synod, I thought the the particularly the presbytery reports at the Synod meeting yeah. were much more optimistic this year mm. than they have been in previous mm. synods um, and and also Joe picked up something earlier in the conversation today around when you hear the stories of all the different aspects mm. of the church, it reminds you that you're much bigger than what you understand mm. of the church or what your experience. So it's bigger than uh, the synod office. Mm. or it's bigger than your congregation. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's everything from um, the smallest congregation in the most remote part of Australia to uniting care and, you know, employing it being the second largest employer of people in the state. Yeah.
1: After the state government, after the state <laughs>
0: government, and and how does the church deal with that and mm-hmm. respond to that in a really positive and productive mm-hmm. way? And mm-hmm. I think we're having those conversations, yeah. and and you know, starting lots of. Yeah. I think people in their own context are starting to make changes.
1: Yeah, I, I think you. I think you're absolutely right, and and I I share with you that sense of noticing. An emerging optimism or hope or confidence or willingness, you know this there is something stirring. Um, you know and, and I guess we would want to say that that God is stirring. Um, <laughs> but people are responding to that, um, I think mm-hmm. around the place, and that's been one of the exciting things about this year. Uh, that's probably a pretty good place for us to leave the year. Thank you for your company as we've journeyed through this, and thanks to those who've been listening. Uh, along the way, who've sent us feedback, who've wandered along with us. Um, Head off and enjoy some of those previous episodes if you've not had a chance to. Uh, Thanks, buddy.